The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe it, give me an amen. amen. All right, before we get into our teaching and our um, further prayers, let's quickly take our declarations that we usually do. All right, one, two, let's go. Now I declare giving me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, I am pleasing him in all respects, I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. Understanding will be your portion today in the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, the Lord is good. All the time. Let's take our seats. Alright, so welcome to today's school of prayer. I will continue what we began last time. Our aim is to Pray prayers that are effective. It is not everything you like, or it is not just anything you like. You say in prayer, and you expect answers. The primary thing about prayer is that you are aligning with the will of God. The primary thing about prayer is that you are aligning with the purpose of God. It is not what you want that God does. You are to discover what He wants. They want what He wants. Then because he has given you the power and authority, you use that your power and authority to bring his will into the earth. That is how prayer works. Now, it is not as if God wants bad things for you or only wants things for himself. No. You must understand that God is love. He has thought about you before you began to think about yourself. He has thought good for you before you understood what good meant. When everything you thought was good was what was sweet, where you could put in your mouth, God already planned the real good for your life. So when I say you only ask God what is in accordance with his will, the mistake we used to make those days is that you just assume that the will of God is evangelism in the bush. Do you get my point? That is, if you want to know the will, there are people who don't follow God because they think you will make them missionaries in Medugri. You know that God is going to send me to uh, um, Sambisa Forest, so I can't follow his will. You cannot think... That's very important you bear in mind. You don't have the capacity to think of what God has thought concerning your good. You don't have the capacity by yourself. He has thought of better things for you than you can ever imagine. He has thought of better things for you than has ever entered your mind. God, you know, some people don't realize that. God actually knows physics. He knows aeronautical engineering. He knows advanced mathematics. There's nothing he does not know. Unconsciously, we think that God only knows evangelism. The Bible, are you, are you forgetting my point? No, he knows business. He can tell you, listen, go and start a cement factory. Say, what about Dangote? Say, just watch me. Have you, have you never, have, have you never read of, of David and Goliath? That I know what to give to David that he will knock out Goliath. The, is it that stone of David exists in every field? It exists in business field. It's not just warfare like they had that those days. So when God tells you if you can discover his will, it's a good thing. So real prayer. When Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You must understand. Yes, he was humble. He had yielded himself over to the will of the Father. 
but also as part of it, he understood that the will of the father was the best for the situation. The situation was painful. It was going to be very tough, but the will of the father was the best for the situation. So when we are praying, our primary desire, our primary assignment along with our desire is that the will of God will be done. That's why the Lord Jesus said, pray like this, that will be done on earth as it is written in heaven, as it has been recorded, predetermined in heaven. You must understand, when the Lord says that it will be done, he wasn't saying something nebulous, like let anything happen. No, it's not just let anything happen, let anything happen. That's not prayer. Prayer is that, listen, we know God has predetermined something. Sometimes he reveals it. In the case of Jesus Christ, he revealed it to him. That's why he said, Father, is it possible for this cup to pass over me? Nevertheless, I hope you're getting my point. That is, he knew that the cup was the will of the Father. The cup was revealed to him, you have to go to the cross. This is the will of the Father. But when he saw how difficult it was, that was why he came and prayed that prayer. But he still yielded himself to the will of the Father. Now, the primary place we discover the will of God from is Scripture. We read the Scriptures, we find out many times what he has said about the situation. Sometimes when we don't even know the specifics, the general is, is good enough. The general would, you know, would take care of everything. For example, if I read Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. That is the will of God. Whether he wants me to eat rice or he wants me to eat yam, I don't need the specific. I don't need to be that specific. But to solve my hunger problems, he has already provided in the word. I like one thing Derek Prince says, which I like to quote. He said, all God's provisions are in his word. That everything God wants to give you, he has packaged it in his word. So if you are looking for something, you look for the word. So if I'm hungry, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, is the provision that he provided. Now the word of God works. The word of God is a living thing. If you're going to read that Hebrews chapter 4, he explained to us, that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, what does it mean to be living? He wanted us to realize that you treat God's word the way you treat a living person. That is, it can think. What I mean is this. If I say in my hunger situation that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want, that statement is a living thing. It means it knows the way to the market. It knows where food is. The mistake we make sometimes when we're teaching, you know, a, a prayer that, okay, focus on exactly what you want, exactly what you want, you know, declare it, you know, write it on the wall, said, I want uh, to, for to, uh, breakfast tomorrow morning, I want uh, three eggs, I need milk, and I need this one, and I said, that's it. No, that's not, not just what prayer is. That's not the will of God. You don't need to be that, look, listen, I'm sorry, I know a lot of people differ, you know, from me on this, that you have to be very specific. <laughs> I, I didn't find that in the scripture. Really. I didn't. You know why? Specificity is dependent upon your experience. Did you hear what I said? You can only be specific about what you have experienced. There are things God wants to do you've never seen it before. Israel had never seen uh, food raining from heaven. Israel had never seen the sea part. They had never seen it. So how can you be specific about what you have never seen? The concept of specificity, is on, it only has to do with your experience. You want to believe God for a particular kind of car. When the one God wants to give you, they've not even made, you have never seen it. 
You've never seen it. Should you be specific in a particular way? Yes. From scripture. Be specific as far as scripture has revealed. As far as the Lord has revealed, be specific. Talking to my wife the other day, said one of the things about specificity that I'm, I'm concerned about, which I can't accept some of them, you know, is that let us assume I'm believing God for a particular, let's take a car as an example, it's an easy way to explain it. And I said to the Lord, that, Lord, I want, let me just use a, a common car, all right? Let's say I want a Toyota Camry, all right? And I said to the Lord, as an example, my faith is not big enough to ask for a brand new. <laughs> so and I said, I want 2009 or 2008 or 2007. Okay, let me say 2007. All right, so I want a Toyota Camry, 3.0 liter engine, 2007. Then the Lord now brings 2009. Well, I said, this is not the one I asked for. I hope you're getting my point. Or let us assume he doesn't bring a Toyota. It brings me a Honda, 2009. Will I say, Lord, I asked you for Toyota? Will I say that? As he says, okay, bank it, let's not argue about this. Take an E-class, 2008, as an example. Will I say, Lord, I declared that you were going to bring... Will I say that? I'll say, Lord, thank you, you are better than I thought. Is that not what I'm going to say? So I told my wife, I said, if I will accept an alternative, I will, never, I will never insist on the one I know. That's my principle. If I will accept an alternative, why would I insist upon the one I decided to draw? Because somebody preached to me that except I'm specific, my father does not think. My heavenly father is not a computer. He's a living person. So if I want to pray about things like that, I just pray simply. I don't, I don't form when I'm praying with the Lord, though. I don't try to impress him. Not at all. I speak. You can ask my wife when we are praying sometimes. She doesn't know when I'm talking to her, when I'm talking to the Lord. I can just be saying, I'll just stop something. I just, let me quickly explain something to you. Because I believe that like three of us are having a conversation. So I want to pray that kind of situation. We just use material thing as an example. I say, Lord, I don't want this to be on my mind. I really need this. I need this. And this is the kind of car I like. I describe it generally, and I leave the rest to him. Because while you are doing all of that, he can decide to drive in a Ford or a Volkswagen. Are you getting my point? Which will serve you far better than you ever imagined. So how am I specific on the word? What does the word say? The Lord is my shepherd, I will not lack. That's it. That's all my specificity. I don't carry it beyond that point. I can have desires... But I don't hold on and hug desires and give it certain dates that if you don't do it, listen, let me, never give the Lord a deadline. Let me quickly drop that for us. Never give God a deadline. You can tell him your personal deadline. I hope I get my point. Like, Lord, a landlord said I must leave by next week. That's my deadline. It's not you must do something before next week. No, 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 no. You don't tell him that. Otherwise, he will wait until you are out. Don't tell him anything like, don't give the Lord a deadline. Actually, when you do that, you are doing what is called tempting the Lord thy God. You don't give him a deadline. You can show him your deadline. I just got this demand notice that I must pay this certain amount by 15th of July. Lord, that's just about a month away. 
and I don't have any money. That is your deadline. That is not his deadline. Please, I hope you are getting my point. I just feel like dropping for, because I've seen people get into trouble a lot. God, you must do this by this, almost like a threat. As if you are alive, show you are alive by doing this by December. God says, okay, I'm dead. All right, leave it like that now. I don't want to prove anything to you. Do you get my point? I just want to drop that for us. Don't give the Lord any deadline. You can show him your personal troubles, your own deadlines. Like I give us an example. Exams starting in school next week. Anybody that doesn't have the receipt by Monday morning, 9 o'clock, will not be allowed into the exam hall. That's your deadline, not his own. It's not his deadline. Show that to him, Lord, this is the situation. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That there's no lack to those who trust in him. You quote those scriptures and you relax. If he decides to bring the money on Friday, on 9 o'clock on Monday morning, if you don't have the money, you know what you should do? Go to the exam hall and stand there and tell the exam invigilator, say, where is your receipt? Sir, I couldn't pay the money before now. I'm hoping I will be able to take the exam still. Didn't you read the notice? I did, but hey, the money did not come. What would the Lord do? I don't know. Did I tell you? <laughs> I'm just telling you how to react. And if for any reason they say, don't, go, don't come in for that exam. Go, don't grumble. Say, Lord, I trusted you and you failed. That's an insult. He can't fail. Do you get my point? He can't. He doesn't know how to. The money that didn't come is not to, to him a sign of failure. You can't tell the Lord you t- trusted him and he failed. That thought shouldn't pass through your mind. If somebody tells you, ask you what happened here, the money didn't come. What did you do about it? Well, I looked for money where I could find. I didn't find. I prayed about it. So I waited. I waited. Nothing happened. That is, I didn't see the money. So I didn't need to do the example. No, they didn't. So what's going to happen now? I don't know. What happened as a result? I have no idea to. Me preaching to you, I have no idea. But I just want you to understand something. God does not always work the way you planned. Let us assume Joseph understood the faith that we understand now. As they were, as brothers were grabbing, you know what he would say? The Lord my deliverer. The Lord my deliverer. My, the Lord my deliverer. In the name of Jesus, I command you to release me. So they release him into the pit. You get, what, you get the joke there. The Lord will take me out of here. In the name of Jesus, I'm going back to my father's house. God will say, all right, let's see how, how that goes. Then people will come, and once he sees his brother, okay, you know one of his brothers planned to come and take him out, okay? But before that one came back, maybe that one said, don't worry, I'm coming. <laughs> the other brothers came and dragged him out of the pit. So he thinks the first stage of deliverance. And it was, except that not through the path he planned. That led him to where? Egypt. You know the story, so let me not be too dramatic about it. The prayers you will have prayed, assume it was you and me, the way we've been taught prayer will have prayed and prayed and declared deliverance and deliverance would not have come. Remember, the Bible was not written that time. So there was no story of Joseph for Joseph to read. I hope you're getting my point. Joseph had either trusted or did not trust. There was no story to reference. 
I can assure you, for the first few weeks, Joseph will be wondering, where was God when I was in the prison? When I was in the pit? The God I trusted. You see, that's why you can you never say to him he failed. He doesn't fail. He doesn't know how to fail. He doesn't always do what you want exactly. That's what the problem is. Your own method for deliverance, he does not always follow. That the Joseph will have looked at the Lord and said, what is going on here? And there will be no explanation for a long time. The only thing is that he was kept busy. I imagine an angel or the Holy Spirit helping him to get up. Go about your work. Forget your sorrows. But the principles of righteousness and diligence that his father had, had taught him while he was with him, he began to use it. He was an innocent man. And that innocency showed in everything that he did. So that in a few years, Potiphar had rest. With Joseph being in charge. Then again, Mrs. Potiphar started that, that thing that happened. Remember Mrs. Potiphar? And as they were accusing him, imagine Joseph again would say, the Lord is judge. The Lord is judge. The Lord will vindicate me. Ah, vindication. Guilty as charged. Ah, God, what is going on? Then begins to declare in the name of Jesus. What happened? Nothing. God failed again. 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 But God never fails. He can't fail. He can't. Oh, it just, it's just that he doesn't always do things the way we plan. We plan one way. He does. He says, okay, I'm not going that way. You know, today something led to it. A friend of mine said, okay. He asked me how much dollar was. I told him I wasn't sure that I thought it stabilized. It came down to 380 and all of that. So he said, we will verify and get back to me. So he verified and got back to me and said, it's 440 today. And I popped my eyes like this. What? No, I wanted to pray that, Lord, do something about it. God said, do you think I'm not doing anything right now? <laughs> so I just told myself that, no, thank you. what does the Lord require of you? Remove, just what you've been doing, remove your eyes from it and just face your business. Your life is not dependent. I, I mean, okay, how did that change your life? Yesterday you did not know. Today you know so. You are getting what I'm saying? I just told myself, one major thing, if I know all of this thing that's going on, I will talk about it a bit. And everything that's going on, I just, when I meditate and I pray, what just keeps, to my, keeps coming to my mind is that learn to trust and rest. Learn to trust and rest. Just learn to trust and rest. Just learn to trust and relax. So you will survive this season. You will. At the end of the day, when it's all over, God will bring a new season into your life also. So don't be worried. It's forbidden. Let me just quickly tell you something you may have overlooked. You will not die. You won't. Your relatives will not die. Anyone you will mention his name, her name in prayer, will not be taking this season. Just relax. Relax. When will schools reopen? Don't worry. I was supposed to have my exam. Don't worry about it. What did I say? Go and get busy. Get busy. Learn, learn something. You're going to be, you've been on break for some time. Learn something in the inter, during the interim. And stop praying. Say, God, in the name of Jesus, school must be open by so and so and so date. God said, when they open by that date, they go, well, how would I help you? Some of these prayers we pray are prayers born out of anxiety. Sometimes you need to just pray and watch. Pray and watch. 
what, as in, what is God doing? In Joseph's situation, that was the only thing he could do. After, you know, everything, he landed in prison. I can just imagine, it takes Joseph a while, a short while, he recovers from the shock, then he starts working again. In a short while, the chief warder had rest also, because Joseph was in charge. You know, God filled him, in quotes, in quotes, God never fails, but he filled him a third time. You know, one of the biggest lessons God has taught me in life, and once in a while he, he helps me to remember it, is not to trust in any human being. I told you over time, I let out very early. If you make me a promise that, uh, ah, this is what you want to do, we will contribute. As you are saying, if I'm angry with you, that if I wanted to contribute, you'll have just contributed without making me think of you. That is the first thing I want to hear from you is the contribution, not the promise of the contribution. Because these promises make me think. I learned very early in life, just wipe it off my mind. I've seen, I remember one man one time, he saw me say, this is your ministry, I'm expecting money. Correct seed I have to plant in this ministry. And that would have been like 12 years ago. Did he disappoint me? No, he couldn't at that point. Because I had learned before that then, as he was saying it, it I was washing it off my ear. Yeah, as, as he was saying it, I really, if I could get soap and water, I quickly rinse the ear that had it. Why did I remember the story? Because when God began to, in quote, bless Joseph, he connected him with people in APC. They used to work in Astro Rock until they put them in prison. One of them was the chief of staff to the president. This is, you call him a, a cup bearer. All right? That was a trusted person who decided what the president, the, of course, the pharaoh that time ate or did not eat. Only very, they, those were powerful people. But he was in prison. And Joseph, by revelation, understood that he would be reinstated to power. God, I thank you. Ah, I knew you would never fail. He failed again. When the man was released, Joseph kept on checking every day. Are they coming to get me now? Two years. You think it's two hours? Two days? Two weeks? Two months? No. Two years passed. I'm just, I just want to assume that by the end of the first six months, Joseph knew the man had forgotten. Let me tell you something about big men. They can forget. It's part of being big. It appears. When, they, when somebody is a big man, forgetting is his portion. In fact, I think when you become a big man, hire, hire a reminder manager. You, you need to remind... Just say to somebody, hey, uh, look, um, Fred... We met one guy, his name is Joseph. We should get him out of jail. Do you remember? You, will you remember? Yes, sir. It's your job to remember. If you forget, I fire you. Yes, sir. Because you will forget. I think every big man should, should get a, a, a reminding manager, a reminding personal assistant. Your job is just to remember things I say. Why do big people forget? They are busy. Sometimes they finish saying before they even, that is, I don't know how many of you notice on radio on Sunday that word versus word started 30 minutes late. At least the, the, when I was introduced. <laughs> it was my fault. I was already late when they called me that. Where are you? I said, I'm supposed to be. Yay! I was praying, Father God, please, I need green light. I need green, because they were, I, I was counting the number of traffic, light, traffic lights. 
between my house and the radio station. I got there late. So if you saw it was late, it was my fault. Nobody's fault. You know why? I'm a big man. Amen. <laughs> the Lord is good. Anyway, there was something we were handling that really got me distracted, you know? So, that's what happened to Joseph. The big man he trusted, he was so shocked. Because he told the man, Oga, I didn't do anything, no. I'm just, you know, my brothers, you know, he told the whole story. And that man said, wow, such a good young man like you. They did this to you. If what you said, this is your interpretation. If it happens the way you said it, I will make it my primary duty to get out of here. And Potiphar will hear from me. Joseph will say, thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you, sir. We will do celebration immediately, except that as that man is leaving, God will come, send an angel. The angel will go to that part of his brain. Remove the word Joseph. Why? The time to remember him has not come. I'm telling the story that we all know. Now, let me tell you another thing. The day he remembered Joseph, I am convinced Joseph had forgotten the man. I am convinced. Joseph was not expecting him anymore. And the man did not remember Joseph because of what Joseph did for him. That is like, I want to pay him back. He remembered Joseph because Joseph was needed. If somebody wants to do you a favor, does not remember, you don't feel bad. The people that you need to remember you are those who understand your worth, not the people who are trying to hand things down to you. Some people are saying angry that my my uncle is very rich, he has not helped me till now. You don't need him. Ask yourself, what's, what's my value to him? A man told me once, describing how rich his brother is. He said, but he never said to me, because of his wife. Women have suffered more than usual. Anything a man does not do, we have to look for somebody to blame. So I looked at him, I told him the truth. You, a man needs to say to you, why are you not the one settling people? How many people have you settled? Just make up your mind that you are poor. He had a job he was doing. He was not very rich, but at least he had his own business. And his money is coming in. Why don't you get up and go and settle somebody else? What value are you planning to add to the life of your brother? Why should he remember you? Just as you, okay, what settlement do you need? Because after working all these years, if you've not, you've not been able to settle yourself, even if that man does you 10 million naira, you will waste it in the first one year. So the man has not settled him. You didn't work for him. You just claim that he's rich. So I, I told him, oh, my brother, nobody, I told him, nobody is going to say to you. Do you get my point? Between God and you, two of you can't say to yourself. If between you and God, you cannot say to each other, just know that you are a hopeless case. Your brother cannot do that which God cannot do. I hope you get my point. All these years, God has not been able to say to you. You now think your brother will say to you, of course. What will happen is that the man will give you money. After a few, of course, for the first few weeks, you are rejoicing. And because you don't have too much sense, you, you move to a bigger house. Then you go and buy a car that you cannot afford in case it catches fire. And for information, stop buying. Th- if you go and buy a phone that you will cry when it breaks, just know it's not your size. Did you hear what I said? Yes, if you have to save to buy a phone, then it's still, because God does something. There are thieves around that are God's messengers. Just say, go and collect that guy's phone. And you will not be able to replace it. Let me just give you personal advice. This is not part of my message. I've left my message and I want to just help you. That, mess- that phone is not your size. Did you hear what I said? What should you do? Don't you go to church? Offering basket. 
Next Sunday, God of miracle. Drop it inside. Say, Pastor, I'm sowing the seed. I want to free myself from pressure. Because, anyway, let me know. But I hope you've gotten the, the wisdom there. It's an important wisdom for young people. It's, it's crucial wisdom. Let me, because we are streaming this live, let, let's, let's not demarket some brands. But all of you know the, the one I'm talking about. There's a phone, you know. You know it. If the screen breaks, it's two thirds the price. <laughs> and you are saving money to buy that phone. You should know that that's not the will of God concerning you. Because it will break. It, they break. You should use it when the screen does not make you cry. I hope you're getting my point. Uh-huh. That, that just by the way. So, if, the, if, that, if that man's brother was to give him, he was wasting the first one year. As a matter of fact, at the end of the first year, he'll be back to where he was. So I told him that day, my brother, go and face God. Do your work well. Say to yourself, you and God. As for your brother, you can, I can assure you of one thing. He's not as rich as you think he is. He has struggles. He too is looking at his uncle who has not settled him. Back to the story of Joseph. What happened to Joseph? There was no, listen, the point I was bringing up from it is that stop looking at a man that will do you a favor. If he doesn't do you a favor, fine. If God sends somebody to do you a favor, enjoy it. If he doesn't, don't get angry. The day that man remembered Joseph, you know what, what was going on? Joseph was needed. Let me leave my message for a moment and help young people. While you are waiting, be adding value to yourself. I hope you're getting my point. So that you'll be needed for something. I always tell people that. What's most important in life is not money. Let's talk about earning and all of that. It's not cash. You ask yourself a simple question every time. What will people need and they will call my name? That is the thing. There was one Nigerian recently. They arrested him. I didn't know about him until I just caught the news that one man was arrested. So the nurse said, he's famous. He's an internet celebrity. So I was wondering, what do you do? If I mention the name Dangote, what comes to your mind? Two things. One, Cement, cement, two. Okay, well, you're talking sugar. You're not thinking... You like food, though. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Petrol. You're waiting every day. In fact, there was, a, there was a bomb blast in Mali. I was it last year or the year before? Two years ago. You know, when the, when the bomb went off, terrorist attack, it was in a hotel Dangote was staying in. The world market reacted. Bankers were making phone calls because when you let the man two billion dollars, he mustn't die. <laughs> People, the man had to really take to Twitter and say, "Listen, I left a day before the bomb blast." Everybody say, "Oh well." <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. Your, his name, you know, he rings. It's not just that he's rich. When you mention the name, if I mention Bill Gates, instantly you remember some things about him. So this particular Nigerian guy. I saw pictures, Bentley. In fact, somebody said he's marketing Gucci, not Nigeria. <laughs> Gucci, everything. So my question is, so all of you following him all this way, did you ask yourself what he was doing? You didn't ask yourself. All he ever shows is himself lounging in expensive places. All he ever used to show is himself flying private all over the world, wearing the most expensive clothes. They didn't need to arrest him for me to know this guy is not worth anything to me. Good enough, I never heard of him until like three days ago when something about his arrest came on headline. What am I trying to say? I'm bringing out something here. It's not money you need in life. It's value. What did I say? Value. 
Ask yourself, what would people need and they will remember me? Instead of saying your uncle has not settled you, what, what will your uncle need? And you are the person he will commit it into his hands or her hands. What am I going to say? When Joseph was remembered, Joseph was not remembered because he was connected. Joseph was not remembered because he knew people. That was not why he was remembered. Why was he remembered? Because the kind of problem that this man had that time and Joseph helped him with was showing up again. So when Pharaoh was confused, Pharaoh said, guys, I have a bad feeling about this dream. It's a serious dream. It's not the normal dream. Let me tell you guys what happened. What is the interpretation? Nobody knew. So the man came to work that day. Why is my Lord unhappy? This is serious. I've called the chief magicians. I've called the astrologers. They gave me interpretations that didn't make sense. I just knew they were not right. What is the matter? The dream. Dream. Suddenly, he remembered Joseph. He remembered Joseph not because he owed Joseph. He remembered Joseph because there was something of value inside that young man that they needed. A man met me once. Said I should pray for. I've, I've, this is twice now, but I remember. I may mix the two stories, but I remember the first guy. Said I should pray for him. Why? Because people forget him a lot. People forget you, so I should pray. So you want me to pray that they will remember you? He said yes. Ah. So I asked him, what do you do? You know, I tried not to laugh. He said, I help politicians. He said, excuse me? What do you do? He said, I help politicians. Then when they get into power, they forget me. I looked at the confused soul. What did I call him? Confused soul. I feel like, do you realize how many thousands of people help politicians? And the politicians know people like you. They know what they are looking for. Make a long story short, you have little value to them. You have very little value to them. Little value. That's why they will, rem- they will not remember you. I said, please, forget this, your help for politicians. It's another way of saying I'm jobless. Now, tell me what you do normally. He said, he teaches in a secondary school. My man, and you had time to go and be helping politicians. Let's forget that. I said, my brother, go back to your secondary school. Make it a project to impact the lives of those young people and forget this is your help of politicians. That's the prayer I can pray for you. A man said I should pray for him that he will go for international trials. What do you do? He says he's a footballer. So I asked him a simple question. Have you been to Namdi Azikiwe Stadium? Have you gone to Eibar's camp to go and try? You know your problem? Covetousness. Thief, Onyoshi. You are, that is dollar. Now you don't like football. You don't like football. You're a thief. I can't be here praying for international trials. When local trials, you have not tried. I asked him like that. I said, have you been to Namde Azikiwe Stadium? Have you been to Rangers Camp to go and try with them? He has never been there. He just told himself he's a good footballer. Because he's playing PS4, maybe. <laughs> you know, you can score goal online. <laughs> When the ball is yours and the post is yours, you can't score anything. I t- no, I told the guy straight. International trials? Have you done local trials? No. They're not even looking for you. Uh, so maybe you, you'll be among the local, local people they'll put in the national team. No. And me. 
senseless pastor will not join hands and say, Lord, <laughs> no, there are prayers I don't pray. Let's go punishes me along with you because you, your own is on the line already. I told him that day, please, you know, we are going to pray that God will bless you. But please, on Monday, go to the Namdi Azikiwe Stadium. She is down the road here. Go and join them. Play ball there. Go to a second. I didn't tell him this, but I want, I want to add this one to it. Go to a secondary school and go and coach the boys how to play ball. Play hard until people are looking for you. Not you sitting down here and I need to pray for you to have international trials. Kano Pillars is there. They are not looking for you. Enyimba is there. They are not looking for you. Rangers, they are, give me another one. Aqua United, they are there. They are not looking for you. And I should pray that Chelsea will look for you. You think they are idiots? <laughs> what I'm trying to say, Joseph was remembered because of what? The value he could add to them. Sometimes people just have favor shown upon them for no reason. That I know it happens. But what you should do about yourself is what I'm saying. Ask yourself, what value will I be to somebody? I must be ready for the day they will call me. If you go and check the story of Joseph, as soon as Joseph got there that day, I can't, now, remember I tell the story of Joseph? Let's go back to telling Joseph's story. He had forgotten the man. Next day, the one morning he woke up, another thing, don't ever forget. The morning Joseph woke up was any other morning. It was not this morning. I feel something is about to happen. I feel it. I feel it in my spirit. I feel it. Oh, I can't explain it, but I can feel it. I can feel it. Something is about to happen. Look, that's on pulpit. In real life, you wake up normally. You go out normally. I hope you're getting my point. What am I going to say? Prepare for that normal day. How do you prepare for the normal day? Be ready all the time. Be ready all the time. That's what I'm going to explain. That it was a normal day. Joseph when he woke up normally. Maybe now he had the chariots arriving. He didn't know it had to, it concerned him. Then they sent for him. Why are they sending for him? What did I do this time around? I imagine those things going through his mind. They said, you're wanted in the palace. Ah, Opari. But let's make a long story short. He got there. And I said, I heard you can interpret dreams. Oh God. <laughs> thank you. We thank God. <laughs> Interpretation, that one is not hard. God is with us. He always talks to us. Don't worry about it. What I'm trying to say is that the man was fully prepared for that day. And as soon as Pharaoh opened his mouth and spoke, immediately Joseph told him what was going to happen. What do we do about it? He, give me a sheet of paper. He began to sketch. We can do this. We can do this. Get somebody who can design this. Yeah, they say, well, my father used to preserve grain those days. It was in small measure, but I think if we do it in a bigger way, I can explain to the person. Okay. That whole conversation didn't happen in one hour. I imagine it happened for a few days. It's okay. Get our chief engineer. Get the, the minister for agri. Everybody sat down. Joseph was telling them things, explaining. After our Pharaoh said, what's all this discussion about? You are the one explaining the engineering, explaining the, 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 the agriculture, explaining the storage, explaining this one. Hey, come, we put you in charge. Now, you know where I began all of this from? Joseph's deliverance did not go the way he prayed for it. He did not understand what God was doing until his brothers arrived to buy food. That was when he finally understood what happened for over 13 years. It was a long period. That was when he finally understood. Oh, when his brothers arrived, 
What's going on? There's no food back home. Of course, they didn't know he was the one. So they ended to come here to get food. You know the story. So by the time he finally revealed himself to them, he said, please, eh? tell my father, the work here is too much. I'm adding some words to it now. I can't come. He needs to come and see me. Tell him to pack everybody because this famine has just begun. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. But I have abundance here. And he went and told Pharaoh, please, I would like my father and my brother and the extended family to come. Pharaoh said, okay, choose a good area. Oh, said they are shepherds. Okay, all right, let there be no problem. They caught a good land for them. The place called Goshen, and they packed everybody in there. That was when he understood why God could not deliver him from the pit. Not because he didn't have the power, but because it was not good. That was why he understood why God did not deliver him from the house of Potiphar. Not because he didn't have the power, but because it was not good. That was why he understood why God allowed, or made, not allowed, instructed that man to forget, and the man forgot. Because of the story of Pharaoh, it's easy for me to forgive those who forget. Yes, you should forget. If you forget, God said forget. God didn't remind you. I hope you are getting my point here. If you forget, God said forget. He chose not to remind you. Whether you forget or not, it does not change where God is taking me to. Do you get what I'm going to explain here? A lesson to take you from there, let me just repeat it, young people. The period you are waiting in prison or in, Joseph, or in Potiphar's house or even before then, make sure you are a valuable person. Sometimes they say people are looking for work. I say, no, let's not lie. The, the, the problem in Nigeria is not work. I'm not saying work is plenty, but from experience, what is most lacking in our country is workers, not work. Ask those who, have, who employ people. They will tell you. A lot of people that are saying there's no work. They can't work. They, they can't put them to work for, for a few days. You, you are drained. That is, he's like, this is why very wicked. One thing, I like America. You know what America does for people? Teaches them how to work. When you're back home, when you have not, when you've not eaten, you know who to visit now, don't you? But when you get to a place where there's no party in the jungle, you will, you know, you will work. You'll forget this your degree, your certificate. In Nigeria, you are carrying your BSc in engineering to harassing everybody. When you get there, anything they give you, you will do. Say, I can engineeringly drive this bus. <laughs> you, you will drive it. I'm telling you. <laughs> and they will notice that, yes, you have this this mechanical way of turning it, the electrical way of changing the gear, <laughs> and the electronic way of switching on your light off and on. <laughs> Why? Because if you don't drive it, there's no food for you. But if they bring you back home, nah, I mean, I have a 2-1 in engineering. I know why MTN is not calling me, because they don't need you. You know the main problem we have? Ask those who employ people to find people who can do the work. So while waiting, you know what you need to do? Make sure you can do the work. I got one day, um, I stumbled into one Twitter discussion one day, and I was really impressed by it. The guy said, you mentioned one young man that's earning a lot of money now, hundreds of thousands of naira every month he gets paid for some work he does. He said when that young man first came to him, what they told him about him, that the young man just said, 
I just want exposure. He didn't want work. That is, he didn't want money. He said, please, sir, can you help me? I need to be exposed. Somebody linked him. He said, you sure the young man can? We said he can. So he called somebody else and said, please, I have a young man who does software. Can, you, can he come and intend with you? Let him just come and work with you. He said, what that young man did not know, that he was paying his stipend. I don't know whether you get the point. I think there's a company called Secrets and Truths. All right, just I saw that one here. So Secrets and Truths agreed to employ the young man. But they said to this man, we don't need him. The man said, don't worry. The guy just wants exposure. So please, just pay him a stipend. They said, we don't need him. It's all right. You know what to do? Pretend like you are going to pay him a stipend. I will give you the money. Within a year, they needed him so badly. I don't know whether that company or another one. No, I don't know how long. Maybe about a year or two years. They were paying him 300000 a month. That is the amount of work he could do. The guy said from the beginning, he wasn't looking for it. He just said, I just want to explain. That is, I've learned a lot. I need to improve what I'm doing. When he got there, he kept on working. He worked morning, afternoon, and night. He worked so well. Everybody was not fighting. No, this guy is not going. This guy is not going. This guy is not going. I hope you're getting my point. That is, the man, he was, listen, that young man could work. He developed himself to an extent everybody was struggling to hold him. So a lot of people tell you that there's no work. I say, <laughs> if they give it to you, how long will you stay there before they sack you? No, that's the first question you ask yourself. How long will I stay before I get fired? How long? That's what you should be concerned about. Not somebody is not helping me. Ask yourself, am I of value to anybody? I don't know what am I talking about today. I think <laughs> I need to help young people who think that Nigeria owes them. You know, a lot of people think like that. They think Nigeria owes them. Government has to provide me a job. Let me just tell you now, they don't have to. They, they, and they won't. They can't even pay. They don't, they don't even have the, they don't have the ability. What we, look, what keeps, ah, why am I preaching like this now? It's not school of prayer we came for. We'll get to it. <laughs> the Lord is good. Nobody owes you anything. No. Nobody. I want to preach Sunday, somewhere one, one day. Uh, NYC people, you know, young coppers. So and I said to some, one guy there, I was going to explain to young people to be responsible. So I said to them that, listen, nobody owes you anything. Nobody. Government doesn't owe you anything at all. So get into your head that who said education should be free? We're just talking. So the guy came and you know these, these boys who think they have energy. He came to meet me at the end of the day. He said, sir, there are some things here I said. He doesn't agree or doesn't understand. I was very, that the spirit of patience came upon me. Oh, yeah. He said, is education not a fundamental need? I said, it is. So what was I saying? I said, it is not free. That's what I'm saying. I was saying. I said, even if government gives you free of charge, you should know it costs money. So you should appreciate it. He probably went to a government university. He said, copper and I said, so every copper that was spent on you, you should appreciate it. The guy who I was telling you about on Twitter, he said something. He said, I own a bakery. He, t- he said how much money he makes per loaf of bread. He said, so if I ever dash you 50,000 naira, let me tell you how many loaves I have to sell before I get that money. He said, so please appreciate it. So I told that young man, daddy, I'm not saying education is not a fundamental thing. I just want you to know it is not free. So if somebody else is paying for it, you should appreciate it and recognize that a day may come that he will be broke. I said to him, some people, you know, some people laugh at Bishop Udipo, you know that. He said that, he's a pastor, why are they charging, how much are they charging covenant now? Who has any son in, uh, child in covenant? 
Anyway, last I knew, you paid between 700,000 and 1 million naira a year. Okay? To attend Covenant University. Now, people say, ah, why? 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 And that includes, and it includes the cost of boarding. Yeah, you get accommodation, tuition, but no food. You pay for food apart from that. You say, is that how many poor people can, can afford it? Why didn't you ask Dangote? Why is not giving us the men free of charge? Why did you not ask Connor why they are not pumping? Do you know how much money MTN has? Why do you have to pay them when you make phone calls? <laughs> do you know why? I'll tell you. Because that is the cost. Do you know why Covenant has to charge that amount of money? Because tertiary education is expensive. And they are one of the cheapest of the good universities in Nigeria. What I told you is a factor. They, I know there are some more and more universities. They'll, they'll give you a degree. Give them 300000 They give you. I, I, there's these meals I used to get once in a while. They recognize my participation in the development of Nigeria. Make me a fellow of something, something, something. I should come and pay 200000 You know, you want to, you know, this live stream, it doesn't let you do everything you want to do. You want to do them something like, you know. <laughs> I know there are places like that. There's one university that I know. They send admission letters to those who did not apply. In this country. You just sit in your house. You'll get an admission letter. I'm sure they have somebody in jam office that leaks to them. They, 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 this guy sent out thousands of admission letters. Hoping that some confused people will take them up on it. I know people like that exist. The point I'm making is, just back to the point of uh, the, the, the discussion with me and that guy. I said, listen, federal government gives us free of charge. Let's thank them for it. They don't owe it to you. And sometimes they will go broke. What am I saying? It's each person being responsible, checking what he can contribute. That is what the nation needs. That is what every economy needs. You, of course, many people are shouting. They are rushing to go to the U.S. Where federal government doesn't employ anybody. They, do, they, they employ very few people. You have to get up and work. As far as they are concerned, they, they is the amount of work all of us can create that is the success of the country over there. Do that same thing down here. You find out that your country will also develop. I went into this one. You know, I've left my message now. You can see. Sometimes it happens when you are preaching. You want to help people. Okay, but I went to that trying to explain something. Joseph was not angry with somebody for not helping him, but he had value to add the time he was called upon. Instead of saying there is no work, ask yourself, can I really work? You know one thing I found out? If you can really work, eventually you will fit somewhere. What I've said to you is true. You will eventually fit somewhere. You may not be doing it for somebody, you may end up being doing it for yourself, but eventually you will fit somewhere. One thing about people who really can work, they don't know how to be idle. If there's nothing, they will do something. I don't know what I get to my point. This is that, you know, online things, they will just start doing something. They will start doing something. There's one of our brothers here, he has left here now. He did his NYC in um, Abia State. But he used to listen to our messages, you know, on radio, online. So when he finished, he just entered the vehicle and came to Enugu. He just came to stay with Kingdom Word for, I don't know how long he stayed, over a year. So I thought he came for NYC. No, he had finished NYC. What are you doing in town? He just came to listen to me. Initially, I thought the guy was a strange human being. Do you know why? He didn't speak to me. I just used to see him everywhere I went. You know, when somebody's following you around like a spirit. Kingdom World Ministries, he had a chair with his name, well, not really on it, but on it. (laughs) 
Because he came on time, he chose that seat, he only sat in front. Then if he mistakenly finds that I'm going to preach somewhere, he will find the church. I will enter that church, I will sit and sit down there too. Ah! The day I went to preach for, uh, for NYC, he, he, he was there. We don't discuss, I'll just get there. Ah! You know, one little spirit. <laughs> the guy came to town to eat as much of the word of God as possible. So every time he heard I was preaching, he will find himself there. Literally. How am I telling his story? He came to town, no money, nothing. So he told me that later, it was later on I found all of these things out. It was later on we were talking, that told me how we arrived. So where do you stay? He said, when they first arrived, I just went to go and visit the coppers. Stay with them for some time. He did some money. So he just went to one school and knocked. Hello, I'm Susan Supressing. I finished my NYC. I can teach these subjects. They said, we don't need a teacher. He said, it doesn't matter. You don't have to pay me. I mean, think about it. Why wouldn't you collect him? It's free of charge. By the time he finished working for them for the first two months, they decided to be paying him. <laughs> the day he told them he was leaving, they said, no, you can't go. <laughs> do you understand? He was like, no, 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 you can't go. Why do you want to go? Stay now. Okay, is the money is not enough. Can we increase it? He said, no. That is, it's time to be in Enugu was over. So he needed to go. I, I told you that story to, 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 to help you know, people really, there's people, they can't just sit down and do nothing. He got up, he just kept on going until he found a school that agreed. He said, look, I'm not charging you guys anything, but I can't be staying at home. Anything you give me at the end of the month, I'll take, but just give me work to do so that I'll be leaving and coming out every day. I have some reason I came to town. I don't want to be idle during the day because after all this, Pastor Banky, we came to listen to only preachers in the evenings. And it's not even every day. So you understand why he used to follow me every He came to town to hear the word of God. Everywhere I went to preach in this city, you will find him there. Please, let's bear that in mind, okay? That's just a lesson. Hi, got time. That's a lesson from, from Joseph for young people. But let's get back to the matter of prayer. I began that by explaining that why we got into that is that Joseph would not have plotted his life to go that way. If God did only the things you asked for, there, there are things that you would never ask him for. Joseph would never have plotted his life to be that way. Never. Paul, would ne- why would you want to pray and say, God, I want shipwrecks? I want beatings? No. God just told him from the beginning. Now I have apprehended you. Alright? I will now show you the things that you must suffer for my sake. That part of your assignment in life is to suffer for me. That's part of it. And you will do that while preaching for me. For your information, he couldn't pray it away. He couldn't pray it away. One day he went to God about the thorn in the flesh. Three times he prayed. Three times. If he prayed about something to the Lord, three times he's not granting it. Just leave it for now. Three times he prayed. God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Go ahead. Go and do my work. How do you know grace is sufficient? Despite all the shortcomings of the life of Paul, he, he labored more than them all. How many times did you hear that Peter was arrested and locked up somewhere and could not preach. It was Paul that was arrested everywhere he went, stoned. Did you ever, apart from that initial one in Jerusalem, what did you hear about Peter again? Peter had much more peace of mind than Paul had. But you know what Paul said? I labored more than them all. If you check the results of their ministry, if you were to count it, 
in human terms. Peter couldn't rank near Paul. Letters they wrote. How many letters, how many books of Peter in the Bible? Let's count it. First Peter, second Peter. Is it third Peter? Okay. The only other one is the book of Mark, alright? Yeah, that's also the, that was a, well, the kind of book of Peter also. But it's ascribed to Mark because he wrote it down, but it was the account of Peter, alright? So if you count those three, that's all. Mark, first Peter, second Peter. Count James's own. Count everybody else. But if you now want to count Paul, let's not start because we have to go home. You know, the other day, you know, the argument happens all the time that who wrote the book of Hebrews? I came to the conclusion two weeks ago that I've heard some people say prophetically that this true revelation that the Lord said Paul did. But for certain reasons, I don't want to discuss that now, okay? I made up my mind Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. I, mean, I don't want to talk about it now. If you ask me how many books Paul wrote, I include the book of Hebrews now. The longest one is Romans. He wrote that. The one that is equally long, Hebrews, I believe he wrote it. The man that was in jail a lot. The man that was shipwrecked many times. The man that had all kinds of beatings. The, listen, that's what the man, when he said, I labored more than them all. The man would never have asked for it. Let me say something. Life is eternal, Amen. Yes, yes, it is, it is. I'm going to live here for a few years. If you live very long, you, you, you try. You really live long. You do 120 years. Yeah, about that. And you're not likely to live longer than 120. And that's because you exercise your faith and you decide that I will live that long. So let's give you 120. That is not even enough time to account for blinking when we're talking about eternity. What am I going to say? Bear it in mind. How you react to each situation is being counted in the face of eternity. Yeah, it's being counted. It's being counted. The other day, I was telling my wife something, then something struck me all of a sudden. You know, there are disappointments and challenges that I've had as a person. So we're just discussing at home some, you, you are trained in particular way, both in ministry and in, the, in, in life. And then as you are growing, you realize those things are not really happening the way they told you they will happen. You know, of course, you keep learning, you keep adjusting. And so I'd adjusted. Then one day I was just sharing with my wife. Then it hit me all of a sudden. And I got the answer on the spot. Something that's been on my mind for years. Even though I thought I'd resolved it. What was the answer I got? God said, when Moses was speaking, he said, he made you hungry. And then he did what? He fed you with manna. Why did he do it? So that he might know what's in your heart. I said, yeah. Are you getting that? He said he made you what? Hungry. Then he did what? He fed you with manna. Why did he do it? He said so that he will know what is in your heart. He don't do me. I said, Father God, I quickly decided playing back my life. That how did I react to those situations? That God said, uh-huh, I know you need food, but I want to make you hungry. Let me see how you will react to hunger. I know what happened to Israel. They reacted wrongly to hunger, so they all died in the wilderness. Hunger. How will you react to hunger? They reacted wrongly to hunger. So, they died in the wilderness. Daddy, my wife and I were talking. I just told her, I said, okay, no, I think I thought about it while I was alone. I was studying. I said, sweetheart, I have gotten the answer. That God said, thank you, the ones we are complaining about, that is in your heart. I did them to you deliberately. 
I wanted to see what you would do. Do you know, on the spot, as I think it, God, did I do wrongly? I said, no, I don't think I did bad. Did I do bad? No, I don't know whether you're getting my point. You know, because challenges come. Disappointments come. Many things happen, you know. You know, if, if you think life goes normally for everybody, forget that thing. Many of these I learned, those is about ministry, about ministry. <laughs> I look back, I almost start laughing at those who preached it to me. That you should the same ministry you did. There are scriptures I even quoted, and I still believed it today. And it didn't work the way I thought it would work. So what did I do? As I was, I was telling my wife yesterday, I said, There's one, please, if you have not read this message, uh, this is my teaching, please go and read it. Keep on trucking. Oh, keep on trucking. It's inside, it's, you know, we have two books that are compilations. One of them is Living by Divine Wisdom. And I think it's inside Living by Divine Wisdom. If you get a paper copy. But if you are online, just, just go to our sermons or under sermons. you find it there. Keep on trucking. Just read it. And one of the things, no, I thought about that thing. I said, no, this is one of the most powerful messages every Christian should pay attention to. That there will be problems in life but just keep on trucking. That since I was young, they've complained about bad roots, bad roots, bad roots, and I've always gotten to where I'm supposed to go to. I don't know whether you're getting my point there. They say the road between Enugu and Onitsha is very, very bad. You know, every time I wanted to get to Enugu, I've gotten there. Every time I wanted to go to Onitsha, I've gotten there. You know why? Because I kept on looking beyond the bad road. So despite the bad road, I've gone to Onitsha as often as I'm supposed to go. What I'm going to say, sometimes God says, I made you hungry. So in the midst of hunger, I won't say, God, except you bring food, we will not do anything. We just tell ourselves, people were supposed to walk home, but there's no food. Let's pray for strength. Father, in the name of Jesus, we trust you, the supply of food and the supply of strength. It's time to walk, but the time to eat has passed. So we have to go and walk now. You know what God was saying? That's what I was checking. That there are some of your brethren that will sit down there. They say, why have you not gone to work? They say, where is your food? God said, I will come and I will give them food. Then they will go to work. Then I will mark it against them. But there are those who will say, there is no food. But the Lord is good and the Lord is faithful. But it's time to work. It's work time. Let's go to work. We will not die. Don't worry, we will not die. The work will be slow. So it's better than no work at all. So they get there and they keep working. They keep working. They keep walking. Sometimes the Lord will come disguised as a, a, a sympathizer. Ah, you boy, you are looking so tired. You have no eating. Say, oh God, we never chop up. So he give them something. It's God that just testing them. So they eat a little. They get strength to finish their work that evening. Five o'clock, they close. They go back home. And God keeps food waiting for them. And then they rejoice and they eat. What they do not know. But there are people who are waiting there and say, ah, see food has come. I told the Lord I will never walk except I see food. Hallelujah. I stood there and food came. <laughs> but all of them will still eat. But the group, God has said, these are faithful servants. He marks them. That day I read that scripture. He said he makes you, he made you hungry. Then he fed you with manna. 
Why? He wanted to know what's inside your heart. And he wanted you to understand that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God shall a man live. You know what that means? Is if it's time to go and walk and there's no bread, take your strength from the instruction he gave concerning work and go and do it. I won't lie to you that day. I rejoiced when I looked over my life and I saw how I reacted to some of those situations. I rejoiced. I said, Lord, I thank you. He, that day just hit me that, oh, you were the one that, in quotes now, made me hungry. You wanted to see what I would do. And I said to the Lord, I hope I didn't do anything that offended you. I played it back in my head. I played it back in my head. I said, well, Lord, if any, any point in time I did something that offended you, please, oh, I am what? I am sorry. Please, oh, I am sorry. But since that day, it even made me more resolute in doing the things I was doing before. That right now I understand that what is he doing? He's making us hungry, and then he's testing how we will react. He's testing how we will react. Anybody can behave well, everything is okay. You know that? When God wants to mark people out, he looked at Job and said, have you considered my servant Job? He said, ah, he's serving God for what he's getting. God said, let's remove everything. Let's see what will happen. As a Christian, if you ever pass through difficulty, never forget Job. What did I say? I didn't hear you well enough. Now, what I want you to remember about Job is not that, oh, people have suffered more than me. No. It's what his suffering was about. Just know, as they were checking Job to see what he would say, so are you being checked to see what you will both say and do. Never forget Job. Never forget Job. One of the messages that blessed me the most in life was a man that came to preach at my local convention on why God put Job in the Bible. And he said, God put Job there to cure the backsliding of saints forever. And see, messages I've heard in my life, that ranks as among the top three. I just said three. Just in case there are two that I can't remember right now. Okay, I remember another one. I remember another one. Yeah, that's I said top three. It ranks among the top three. Not only because it was very... It, the, the man talked to me personally. That's one. When I told my wife later, I said, do you know this man was preaching to me? I said, do you know he mentioned my name? He said, I brought the tape. Wanted to, the, to a, a part. I said, listen to that. And the man started by saying, and after he did his introduction, so what I want to talk about today is Job. And I said, the ways of God are wonderful. God's ways are wonderful, Pastor Bank. That's how he said, that's how he spoke to me. I didn't even know he knew my name. I'd never met him before. He was the pastor to some of our brethren. Then he began to preach. He began to preach. Jesus is my Lord. Never heard anything like that before. For the first time in my life, I wept when the man was preaching. That never happened to me before. Never. For the first time. I'm not talking about shed two tears. My shirt was wet. But what did he say about Job? He said, God placed Job in the Bible to cure the backsliding of saints forever. Then he described Job. 
up to that point, the impression I was given is that if you're walking by faith, nothing ever goes wrong in your life. <laughs> if anything goes wrong, it's very straight and small. And the bigger you fall, the larger you live. Amen. The blessing can be seen in the size of your house. The blessing can be seen in the size of your car. Amen. I don't wear cheap shirts. I wear expensive shirts. Why? Because I'm blessed. I'm sorry to say it. Nonsense. I used to believe it at the time. Don't believe that rubbish anymore. The Bible said God can save with a few. He can save with multitude. He can bless with a cheap shirt. He can bless with an expensive shirt. He can bless with a bicycle. He can bless with a private jet. That's the God I understand now. Depends on where you are riding to. Depends on where you are riding to. If you give me a private jet now, I'm not lying. No. You know what I'll do? I will collect it. Do you know why? I'm planning to sell it. <laughs> Because right now in my life, I can't be praying. You know the one that the FAN does? Very funny. Did I say that? This is what we get. Take-off charges, landing charges, and parking charges. Wait, 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 wait. So just Google say ownership charges because if I take off, you charge me. If I say, okay, I will not take off, you say parking. Okay, if I take off, will I not land? He said, I must pay landing charges. <laughs> Listen, you know what, what I like right now? In my where I park my car, there's no parking charge. <laughs> when I drive on the road, there's no driving charge. Occasionally, I get to a toll gate where you have to pay money. It's not often. I like that peace of mind. If I have to fly somewhere, I take a small offering, give to ZLPs or ARIC or Dana or Air Nigeria, whoever it is, I give them an offering. Then I sit down. They will maintain their plane. They will pay their pilot. I just give them a small offering. Then when we are done, they drop me. I like it like that. I don't consider right now a private jet as a blessing. It's a headache. So if, in case the Lord is saying you should give it to me, still bring it. But in case we can have a discussion, just bring me the cash. There's no point complicating matters. <laughs> you know, somebody talked about Lester Sumrall. Lester Sumrall, they said at a point in time in his life, their ministry had that two or three Hercules jets. Hercules. Transport planes. Because he used to do a lot of relief work. Flying relief materials all over the world. Then one day, I heard that Pastor Tudibakari followed him home in America, where the man stayed. Where he was living in, the, in, in his days. When he goes to the man's house, he almost fell down. Excuse me, sir. This is where you live? I don't know whether you're getting my point. A man that whose ministry had three Hercules jets. They had radio stations. At the point in time, they had the most powerful shortwave radio station in the whole world. The most powerful. I don't need to tell you how many millions of dollars they spent. When they got to his house, he was shocked. One tiny little suburban American house, you know, this kind, of, you know, this kind of house that there's no big fence, just one wooden gate, which the man came down, opened by himself, the old man, and they drove inside. And the house had, I think, three bedrooms. 
Bros was scratching his head. No, 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 no. This is not real. This is not happening. I'm not seeing this. You know, when you see the man from outside, you just assume, say, ah. The man looked like, what is the problem with where I'm living? The man was, he was wondering, what's wrong with you? What is wrong with where I'm living? I live alone, my wife and I. We kept that room because of guests like you. So go inside. That's your room. It's not a sign of a blessing that the house is big. If you like, like a big house, please go ahead and get it. But don't get on the pulpit and come and be preaching about him that there's a sign you are blessed. Jagudas. Have you seen? That is, kidna- have you seen when they are bringing down the house of kidnappers? See the beautiful houses they built? So the day the man preached about Job, since that day I don't take suffering as anything. No. It doesn't work. That is, I'm not saying I, I will like it, but I will endure it. And for me, it does not mean God is not faithful. It doesn't mean God is not faithful. I say dollar is 440. Eh? Let it be 1,005. It's even good because we eat more local rice. Amen? It's true. It's true. We eat more local rice. More people will grow rice. We eat our local food. Listen to me. I said, keep on trucking. We will not die. We will do the will of God. Amen. You, know, you know, those days, you know, sometimes my wife and I would sit down and be remembering those when I first came to Enugu. I didn't have a generator. And this has a reputation in my life. I've never lived where their light is good. I, I, we have a lot of hours, though. But they always give me ogusho, lantern, kandu. You know those intensities that you... Those days, now so... Every day we'll be driving to go and carry them there, face failure. We'll call them. They say, I face failure. I say, I say, are you shedding us? Or he says, face failure. What should we do? Can you come and carry somebody? I'm talking about 11 o'clock at night. Then sometimes there's no light at all. I asked my wife, I said, how did we survive? You know why? We didn't have a generator. No generator. I remember my, my younger brother at that time, DJ, when he comes to stay with us, if I see him on my balcony, I will drive him away. Because he too will come to the balcony to come and lie down at night. I say, hey, bros, now me get this house. So you, go to the guy like, I said, I don't care because you, you can't be, I gave you a room, you still want to struggle the balcony with me. Why? Because when it's this night, my wife and I will go and lie down there to get fresh breeze when there's no power. So, but, so these days, I now look, I look back and say, ah, now, wow, we must have died that time, Abby. Did we not die? You sure? Because the way we complain these days, I see those things kill. No, this is not that. Be, look, before, once it come out the light like this, generator must come on. So I now wonder, okay, why, what happened to me that time? Okay, I think I know why. I was still very thin, so I wasn't sweating a lot. Maybe, I don't know. But make a long story short, we didn't die. We did not die. That was the time we started Kingdom God Ministries. That was the time we wrote 18 tracts. That was the time we began to preach every week. I hope you're getting my point here. In the midst of all those challenges, brethren, we survived. And we did that. The most important thing is that we did the will of God. The day that brother preached Job to me, I stopped complaining. No. I've lived 20 years in Enugu now, almost. For me, what I count is how many books we have written, 1,300 messages on the website, free of charge. People listen to the word of God. Don't worry, the kind of house I live in, whether I have AC or I don't have AC, whether my power is constant or not, it's not constant, it's not your business. After all, my house is even better than Apostle Paul's home. I never try. Think I don't make out now. 
I mean, I'm writing my own books from the comfort of my bedroom. There's no Roman soldier chained chain to my side. And I'm here complaining. God forbid. No, I will not complain. The Lord is good. Oh God. I know where I began from. It happens to us in our school of prayer time. We just end up exhorting and then we'll go. Alright? Now, so I went into that trying to explain something that prayer is not what we want. Is discovering his will and knowing that God is faithful no matter what to pass through. Bear that in mind. Know that he's faithful. He does not know how to fail. He does not have the capacity to fail. He may not do things the way we planned it. He may not go the way we projected that he will go because of our so-called faith, but he does not ever fail. And he said, I made you hungry and fed you with manna. I wanted to know what's in your heart. And I wanted you to understand that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, that is what man lives by. And remember this, every experience of your life, what is God doing? He's checking what you will say. He's checking what you will do. In the furnace of affliction, that is when he chooses people. In the time of difficulty, that is when he chooses you. He checks what you will do and what you will say. Now, so, that just by the way, let's see what we can do concerning our prayer, the, uh, teaching on prayer. If We'll come back to it again next week. Maybe I'll just interrupt the teaching here. I wanted to just go on to what we were teaching about last time concerning how to pray for the church, which we began, but we didn't go far into it because I was doing a lot of review of the things we were saying concerning the prophetic series that we had. But let me just say this. The most important thing we should pray for the church in these days, especially because of what is going on now, we are not reacting to what is going on, the pandemic. We are taking um, instruction. We are using that to realize that we have neglected some duties. We are using that to, we are being called to attention. You know, today we're just saying that, and we were discussing earlier today in, in, in the ministry here, that anybody who doesn't fear God now, I fear the person. Are you getting my point? Yes, you have to be feared if you don't fear God. I mean, like Bishop Mike Gokunko said those days, when they went for, to Winners Chapel for a program, he was the one that ministered that day. So then they now reminded that you should give an altar call. <laughs> he said, you are in this Lagos, you are not born again, you are very bold. <laughs> <laughs> and really, that time, Lagos was dangerous. That was before uh, Buba Marwa, you know, the military general at that time, when he was, before he became military administrator and started Operation Sweep. That's the period I'm talking about. The ghost was deadly. There were so many gangs of robbers that used to raid massively every night. Lagos was deadly. So the man said, wait, you are in this Lagos. You are not born again. That, Omo, you are very bold. That he respects your boldness. <laughs> the Lord is good. So if anybody exists these days, doesn't fear God, that the person where I fear, that is you, you are really, really bold. Of course, we know it's foolishness as your problem, but I mean, it's, it's appearing like boldness. <laughs> it's appearing like boldness. So as a church, we are taking instruction. And let me just remind us, we gave instruction. If you did not listen to the series, please get to our website. It's all there. Our website is pastor.ng. You see the series, a prophetic word for the season. And there are instructions which I believe the Holy Spirit is giving to the church in this season. What we just want to do is to energize the obedience through prayer. Energize the obedience because we are not pointing at anybody out there. It's all of us. I hope you're getting the point. 
It's all of us. We're all in it together. We're not pointing at anybody. So we need to energize obedience for ourselves. How do we energize obedience? It is through prayer. And the Lord Jesus said concerning Peter, he said, I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. All the things we said that time, we'll use them to pray. We'll pray that God will help the church to understand the right doctrines. We need to pray. You need to pray this, you know, some prayers you need to pray. Listen to me. You realize that those prayers are going to cause trouble. You hear what I said? You pray some prayers, it will not come with the peace you were thinking because the pathway to that peace is trouble. It's going to bring peace, but first of all, it will bring trouble. For example, we are going to pray, okay? Well, maybe not today, maybe next time, but if you are following us, just get these instructions using your own personal prayer, all of us listening to this. We are going to pray that God will establish true doctrines in the body of Christ. Now, it may sound like a simple prayer, but you know what that means? God will dethrone people. And that's why I wanted pastors to hear it first. Because you will be retired you will be dethroned if you don't revise your doctrine. Listen, false doctrines are not hard to correct if we correct the motives. Did you hear what I said? If you correct the motive, the doctrine is not hard to correct. There are doctrines we manufacture because it gathers a crowd. There are doctrines we manufacture or we hold on to because it brings money. There are doctrines we hold on to because it excuses our weaknesses. Are you getting my point? Yes. Sometimes you keep on preaching something because your conscience will not let you sleep. You are a pastor. You know you are an adulterer. Instead of you to just agree that I'm a sinner, you start preaching to us that no matter what I do, God does not judge people. Do you get my point? Some of those doctrines, that's where they start from. That's where they start from. But this is what we need to know. When we start praying that God, because one scripture I, I like to quote a lot, was when David prayed and said, Guard your sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty, and ride on prosperously and in majesty because of truth. I think that would be Psalm 45, thereabout. He said, and then your right hand will do awesome things. Now that scripture is very, very, very powerful. If you start praying that, uh, that scripture, that's Psalm 45, yes, from verse 3. If you start praying that, if you see what he said, that he said, Guard your sword on your thigh, O mighty one. In your splendor and your majesty. He said, and in your majesty ride down victoriously for the cause of truth. Now notice that statement. So if you start praying that truth will be established, what you are saying is that the Lord, the mighty one, should take his sword, put on his side, on his, um, uh, on his thigh, that is, get ready for battle, and then start riding. You know what that means? He starts striking down. God cannot strike down lies without striking down liars. I hope you're getting my point. God will not come suddenly and strike down lies and leave the liar intact. He doesn't do that. Once the person was talking about a particular set of doctrines and who brought into the United Kingdom that time, they began to preach all over the world, actually. He said, he told the people that this will not end well for you guys. There were three men who were championing it. All of them died violently. All three. One of them, the work he did required him to climb. You understand? And one day he was walking, and his support fell, and it collapsed, and he fell. And you know what he landed on? Fence with spikes. The spikes pierced him through. David Poston said, I told these people 
This will not end well. Why? He said they brought some doctrines to the body of Christ. Ah, he looked at them and said, you guys don't know what you are playing with. You think God will watch this? And he warned. Don't believe it. Don't preach it. This will not end well. The men did not listen. Three men were championing the, those, those things. And all three died violently. All three. You can't pray. Listen. You cannot pray not to happen. What you can pray. You know, there's something that Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples, he told them that Jerusalem is going to be judged. And for those who said God doesn't judge people, it was Jesus that declared it. He said the blood, mm -mm. he declared it, then he died for the sins of Jerusalem and the whole world. Yet he still judged the city. Why? He said because they did not believe on him whom the Lord sent. They did not know the time of their visitation. Because they would not have the desire he had for them to be executed upon them. They wouldn't have any of it. He wanted to gather, gather them like a hen gathers you know, its brood. Therefore, their house was left to them desolate. Now, this point I want to make from there is this, okay? There was nothing Peter could do about it. There was nothing James could do about it. There was nothing John could do about it. There was nothing anybody could do about the judgment of Jerusalem that was going to come about 40 years after Jesus died and rose again from the dead. The only thing he could do is that he warned his people. He said, listen to this. This is how to deliver yourself. When you see the armies begin to gather around Jerusalem, just know that her desolation is near. Now, get out in a hurry. I want to give a word to people, the people of God. If you're in an establishment where they keep on lying with the word of God and they wouldn't change, deliver yourself and get out. You have to. But my main message, my instruction is not to you. Anybody who wants to, that's my main instruction. Anybody who wants to escape divine judgment, if you're a minister, you have to go home, pray about your doctrine at least. But if you have a wrong motive, you will know you have a wrong motive. If you confess that motive to God, then it will help you to turn around. But we have a duty, all of us, to pray. Okay? That's the instruction. You know, like, uh, like Pastor Kimte was praying at the beginning. We have to pray for the church. In fact, I didn't see Jesus at any time pray for the world. Did you see where he prayed for the world? He died for the world. He didn't pray for them. And he specifically said it. I'm praying for these ones, not for the world. He prayed for the church that they will be one. That God will keep them. He prayed for the church. Say, I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for them. That God will deliver them from the evil one. He prayed for them. As for Jerusalem, he said they are toast. He was in Jerusalem praying for his church that would begin in Jerusalem. He said, Jerusalem is toast. I'm not even going to pray for it. I hope you're getting my point. Okay? But I want, to, I want us to understand that the primary assignment we have as the people of God in this season is to know the truth, believe the truth, and practice the truth. And then begin to declare the, the word of God to the world. Now, let me say another thing quickly. You can pray that God will suspend his judgment. But then, before that, you have to pray for the power of God to be released for the people of God to preach the truth of God. God will never suspend his judgment except it is for, it's for, it's for the purpose of the penetration of truth. 
Let me give an experiment and they say, lockdown, lockdown, lockdown. So you can't go around preaching. Lockdown, lockdown, lockdown. People can't come to church. So you need the lockdown to be lifted for some things to be done. But you cannot pray for lockdown because of prosperity as a church. God will not listen to it. Your primary prayer against lockdown, okay, must be for the advancement of the truth. We pray, we, I think we prayed this was it late, late last year. Now I declaring that God is going to bring judgment upon everything that is lifted. I said that not knowing this was going to start the following month. These days you hear people die a lot. You understand my point? Why? Some people, anybody that dies that they say it's COVID. Even if you fall down now from a building, they say it's COVID associated falling down. Whatever it is, we don't know. But whatever it is, I want to remind, I want to remind the people of God of a number of facts. Number one, death is never an accident. If you don't want to die, anybody listening to me, it's a very simple thing. If, now first, let me quickly say this. Don't magnify COVID. Stop reading COVID news. Magnify Jesus Christ every day. If you focus on the Lord Jesus so much, COVID will receive you and run. Spiritual things are real. Spiritual things are real. Death is giving somebody's name before he kills the person. If death does not have your name, it can't kill you. If God didn't say kill this one, it cannot. So there's no need to be afraid. If he wants to come upon you, ask the Lord for mercy for yourself. Say, Lord, ah, why am I being afraid? I ask you for mercy. Those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Every time, make sure you repent of your ways that are not in alignment with the ways of the Lord. Do that on a daily basis. It is not sin consciousness. So I hope you're getting my point. Those that they said you can't walk in sin consciousness. Say for don't think. Eh, 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 eh. John said, if we say we have no sins, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You know what that means? Ignorance is the reason why you think you are perfect. That's what John was saying. The every day you advance closer with God, you will see where you are short of his glory. You take that to prayer. You wipe that one away out of your life. That is what John was talking about. It wasn't saying you should go around and say, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. Actually, you are, even though you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You say, ah, what do you mean, Pastor Banky? But I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Listen, don't miss Saturday. We'll talk about reconciliation. After you have been reconciled, you now have to be progressively sanctified again. Sometimes we miss our terminologies. Every day God reveals a new part of your life that needs to be improved upon. That part was in sin until revelation came. I hope you're getting my point. So that was why John meant when he said that if we say we have no sin, he says because you don't know yet. There are many things you do, you don't know they are wrong. And there are things that by the time you hear they are wrong, you'll be amazed that how can it be wrong? Let me give you the, the one I'd like to give us an example. That if I tell you that I will see you tomorrow by 7 o'clock, then 6 o'clock it starts raining heavily, you know? You know, like the type that you'll be, you'll be dialing Noah's number, say, Brother Noah, are you there? You know, that kind of thing. Which means what? You can't go out. So, we don't see. Tomorrow, I say, sorry, oh, the rain did not let you come. Let me come. And you also know the rain did not let me come, right? But you know, as far as God is concerned, that is short of God's glory. I don't want to call it sin. Because it was there, that can be a sin. He said, but it was the rain. God said, but you said you will go. Your word failed. Whatever be the explanation you gave, your word failed. It's okay. You say, ah, but I did, what could I have done about it? He said, let me ask you a simple question. Do you think Jesus will say I will come and they wouldn't go? When you start measuring yourself against Jesus, you understand what, the, what John meant when he said, if we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us. 
Because if you realize that if Samuel had said he would go, the rain wouldn't fall because Samuel said so. You realize that if Jesus has said, I'm going to go by 7 o'clock, either that rain will not fall or you will ride upon the storm and go there. You say, but that's Jesus. So God says, why are you not Jesus? Why are you? Because you think it's a mark of being a son of God. What are you? If you can't do that, it's because your life is not pure. And that's not a joke. I'm not saying you took somebody's wife. Why do we think all impurity has to do with taking somebody's wife? There are jokes you laugh at and it's a sin. Many times they mock holy things and you laugh. You say, you, I hope you know you have sinned against God. Every time you do April Fool, it's a sin. The Bible says you're a madman. Is that not what the Bible says? What is April Fool? He says, so is a man who deceives his neighbor and says, was I not joking? He said, like a madman casting firebrands and arrows. That's what such a person is. Can you see what I'm going to say? That's why every day we cleanse ourselves of all defilement of flesh and spirit and perfect holiness in the fear of God. Every day. Back to what I'm going to say. So don't let fear reign in your body. What you just need to do is to ask God for mercy over your life and constantly perfect your will on a daily basis. Let me say this to you again. In the midst of this pandemic, you will not die. God, you will not even fall sick. I want to say this to you one more time. Pray for your loved ones. Pray for your loved ones. And because of that prayer, because you call the name of God upon them, God will deliver them. God will deliver them. Listen, if you know anybody who's, you may not know that the person's name is written, but even though the person's name was written, and given to the spirit of death. If you call upon the name of the Lord for such an individual, they will be saved. Amen. I say to you, they will be saved. Amen. Let me give you a minute. Bow your heads and pray for somebody. Not for yourself now. Pray for your loved one. Pray for your father. They say elderly people are at risk. Pray for them. How do I pray? Just say, Lord, have mercy. Let this person not die. Let this plague not take my loved ones away. Draw them closer to you. Let them know you. Lord, put your name upon them. Put your name upon them. Have mercy, Lord. I ask for this person. I ask for my mother, my father, my, you know, you, my uncle, my friend. And let's just take a minute, all right? When you finish with that, just pray for the church of God. And say, Lord, ride on prosperously because of truth. Lord, let your truth be established again. When the church becomes dim, the world is in trouble. When we shine our light, we repel even trouble from the world. So, Lord, cause there to be a revival of truth. Let there be a revival of the power of God in our midst. One major reason why God has not put his power the way he's supposed to is that when he does, Ananias will die, Sapphira will die. It's not only healing he does. He removes Ananiasis and Sapphirasis. Pardon my English there. That's why all of us have to purge ourselves of all defilement of flesh and spirit. Of all defilement of actions and intents. There are two things. Pray for yourself. Say, Lord, have mercy on me. Concerning my intents, have mercy on me. Concerning my actions, have mercy on me. That's the defilement of flesh and spirit. We do what is wrong. We think what is wrong. Defilement of flesh and spirit. Sanctify me, O Lord, by your word. Reveal to me that which I do not see. 
Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Say an important prayer. Pray this night. Try me, O Lord, know my heart. Lord, if there's any hurtful thing in me, remove it. Lead me in the way everlasting. Pray that, that, pray that prayer for yourself. Let my heart hold on to truth. Let my actions be pure before you. Let me walk in righteousness. Make me a light in my generation. Say, Lord, make me a light in my generation. Make me a light in my generation. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, let them be acceptable in your sight. Lord, help me that I might carry the light of Christ in purity everywhere I go. Say, Lord, help me. If there's any, any hurtful way in me, reveal it that I may confess it, Lord, and wash me clean by the pure water of the word. Lead me in the everlasting way, David said. Any country you are in, if you are a Nigerian right now, pray for the nation. Say, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy upon your church. Have mercy upon the land we are in. Have mercy upon your church. Have mercy upon the land we are in. He said, we are the light of the world, the salt of the earth. We say, Lord, let the influence of your church be for good in this land. Lord, let the plague cease. Upon this land, let plague cease. There is none like the God of Israel, the true Israel of God, who rides the heavens to our help. And through the skies in his majesty, ride the heavens, Lord, to our help in the name of Jesus. Ride the heavens, Lord, to our help in the name of Jesus. Let's begin to give the Lord thanks for answered prayers today. Thank him and say, Lord, I thank you because I'm sure that you have answered. Thank you, Lord, for the words that you have brought to us again for impartation, for exalting us, for reminding us how dear your church is to you. Lord, we thank you. We give you praise. I want us to just thank the Lord that for the privilege of being part of his body. Just say, Lord, thank you that I'm part of your body. You know, the church is a body. That's why we're called the body of Christ. That's why we're called the body of Christ. And the Bible says that each of us, you know, we are playing a part in that body. Maybe you need to pray this evening and say, Lord, help me to do my part in that body. I don't know the organ that you represent in the body, but I know you're very vital to the body. I know you're very important. Pray that your part will not be lacking that we do your part, that the Lord will continually supply grace to you to effectively do what you do to make sure that the body functions well, that your part will not be lacking. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word again this evening. A lot of us might not really know what the word is doing in us, but truly the word 
of God is doing a lot in us. Doing a lot in us. So let's thank the Lord and say, Lord, we thank you for your word that you have sent to us again. Thank you. You've encouraged us to keep trucking, to keep moving forward. You made us understand the importance of your church on this earth. It's the most important thing that God is doing on this earth, nothing else. It's not the industries is building, it's the church that is advancing. And Lord, we thank you that we are a member, we are part of that church. We give you praise. We bless your name forever. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Shall we share the grace in fellowship?